Callie. Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to follow where the shepherd leads, to go down a road that you alone can help us find. Help us now as we begin this uh, journey through the month of December toward Christmas, the season in the church year we call Advent. Help us, O oh God, to walk the road and find Jesus every step of the way. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, this boy packed on some Thanksgiving gravy. Just want to give you an update. My mother-in-law's gravy did not disappoint. My father's uh, rotator cuff injury reappeared. The gravy was well stirred and apportioned, and I gained about 50 pounds. Mmm, so good. I hope your Thanksgiving was as well. I'm especially grateful to Pastor Alan uh, Rosenau, who uh, held down the fort here over the Thanksgiving holiday so that uh, I could take maybe a, a little bit of a premature uh, leap to get back to St. Louis to see friends and family um, in this time uh, from them. And so I'm grateful for that and certainly hope that your Thanksgiving was uh, excellent as well. Um, I had the opportunity to do some binge watching. Um, uh, even though I've cut the cord and I thought I was going to save money, apparently all the subscriptions you've got to buy for everything else, uh, I'm spending a fortune, second mortgage on my house, it's fine. Um, but my kids wanted Disney Plus, and well, Dad, it's only $7.99 a month. Why not? Well, why not? Sure, let's do that. Merry Christmas. Um, but there's, the, uh, there's a show called The Mandalorian. And so I started watching that because I like Star Wars, and I met a new character. You ready for this one? Ah, uh, not as cute as Maisie, for sure. But that is Baby Yoda. Now, I don't know if it's actually Yoda. I haven't gotten to that part in the, uh, the series yet. But can I simply say the weirdest thing happened when that character in this post-Star Wars sequel series on Disney Plus came uh, on the screen. As soon as I saw that, I felt hope in my heart. I don't know why. I like Yoda. Um, friends of mine back in St. Louis, every so often we would talk and have entire conversations in the voice of Yoda, you know, mm, preach I will this morning, mm, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so I just felt like, wow, this is hopeful. My son is going to learn about Yoda, you know. Very important things we as dad, dads pass on to our kids, Star Wars, mythology, that kind of thing. But all of that to say, I'm, I'm kind of having fun with that, it, it made me ask this question um, or, or answer this question in a little different way. When I was back in St. Louis, people would ask, well, how are things going at Shepherd? How are things in Scottsdale? And, and as I was thinking about, well, how do I respond to this? You know, well, it's sunny, uh, so that's, that's a plus. Um, people are nice. Everybody talks to you. Uh, because everybody is not generally originally from Phoenix. You know, there's not a lot of people who have been born and raised here. Um, and so it's, it's a new conversation all the time. And now that the winter guests are coming back, you know, they can talk for hours. And so it's great. You know, where do I, where do I find the, the tortillas in the grocery aisle? Turns into a 30-minute conversation about, you know, where are you from? But as I answered the question you know, how are things going in Scottsdale? The answer that I gave people was this, I, I have hope. It's a hopeful place. 
It's a hopeful place, um, not because um, uh, there's, there's viability to a ministry organization. Um, this congregation is going to last more than five more years. I have hope in Scottsdale because I believe in the heart of our mission to lead people to follow Jesus. And I believe in this present day and, and time in the church, I have hope because people can actually change. Let me ask you this question as, as I'm kind of thinking about my own experience here. What gives you hope about this church? Why do you get up early on a Sunday morning to come here to part with uh, some of your precious time, uh, some of your precious financial resources? Why do you um, give energy and life to this congregation? What is it that you are hopeful about? That there is a better and more positive future because you're here today than if you were not? I think we all have to answer that question. And for me as a pastor, I don't want to take that question for granted. Because I think, actually, I make the judgment that in a lot of churches, a lot of churches go through the motions. We get up, we come to church, we, we, we sacrifice some of our time and our energy and, and resources, but, but at the end, what, what good is it for? What have we actually gained? Today, and over the course of this month, I want to get back to the nuts and bolts of Christianity. I want to introduce you as a congregation to what I have introduced new members to over the course of these past three months, and we'll do so again tomorrow night at our new member starting point gathering. I want to share with you what I've worked on with the staff to make sure that we are crystal clear about why we get up and spend our professional lives serving you. I want to share with you over these next four weeks what I spent time teaching 45 of our Bible study teachers, discipleship lane leaders, what we're about, what they are doing. I want to make sure that you and I are very clear about the nuts and bolts of Christianity. And as I like to say, it drove my staff nuts back in St. Louis, but I would say, this is not rocket science. That's the best part of it. This is not something that I've learned in seminary. This is not something that, um, you know, I, I kind of made up after reading a lot of thick books. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to go into the heart of Christianity, and we're going to learn very, very simply the very thing we are hoping that Ryan and Paige do with Maisie. And this is not difficult. Learning it is not difficult. Putting it into practice, that, that takes a lifetime. That's, that's another piece of the puzzle. And, and so what I want to share with you today is this word that we heard in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 3, and it's the word repent. Well, just say that with me, because it's such an odd churchy word. I want to make sure that you own it. So say it in, in whatever voice or accent you want. You can say it in British. You can say it in South American. It doesn't matter. Ready? One, two, three. Repent. Okay. I said it in Australian. Good day, mate. Throw another shrimp on the barbie. Repent. Aye. Aye, aye, aye. So... So this word is what John the Baptist was saying to the crowds that were gathered there in Matthew chapter 3. Now, interestingly enough, 
Uh, as we toggle forward, by the way, interestingly enough, there are other places in Matthew's gospel where this happens. We're in chapter three, and John, the one who's doing the baptizing, says it to the Pharisees. One chapter later, Jesus leaves John the Baptist in the dust and takes over the public ministry of God in this world. And guess what is at the heart of his ministry? John, or Matthew chapter four, verse 16, 17, uh, says this, from that time forward, now John the Baptist fading into the background, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That clustering, that close association of what John was preaching, what Jesus is preaching is instructive for us and you can't miss it. At that moment, the gospel of Matthew, its main message gets locked in. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What is Jesus trying to tell the whole world through his ministry? Well, the same thing John the Baptist was saying. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Six chapters later, the uh, earthly ministry of Jesus is becoming more antagonized. People are realizing that he comes to um, uh, mix things up a little bit and to change the status quo. And Jesus has to transfer the authority to his disciples because he needs to geometrically expand the ministry to cover the whole earth. And so what does Jesus say to the disciples? He sent them out to preach. Guess what he sent them out to preach? What do you think? No, it's not quite right. I caught you on that one. And it actually, I'm meaning to be annoying right now, so if you're annoyed by me, that's exactly what I'm meaning to be because that's what Matthew does. He actually says the disciples were sent out to preach for the kingdom of heaven is near. The implication and invitation is if you and I have been reading Matthew's gospel well, to fill in the blank. Because it's one thing to say, hey, by the way, um, love the gravy, uh, turkey's awesome, pumpkin pie's great, oh, and the kingdom of heaven is near. It's great to, to say those matter-of-fact kinds of things. But it's different if you take the next step and you put in the word, therefore repent. We come to Matthew chapter 29 and the expectation, as I quoted in the baptism, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. The question is, well, what are we to obey? I mean, if Ryan and Paige are to teach Maisie to obey all that Jesus commanded, where does it start? I mean, Jesus said so many things. There's so many rules in Scripture. There's so many directions that are given, words. I mean, there's so many words, no pictures. So what are, we to, what are we to teach each other that we are to obey? How about the phrase, the word, that is repeated at least three times in Matthew's gospel, repent. Because in chapter 29, that's our responsibility. What John began, what Jesus continued, and the disciples carried even farther forward we are to finish that task. By the way, there's only 28 chapters in Matthew. This sermon title today could have easily been Matthew chapter 29 because you are the 29th chapter. You are the congregation that Jesus depends on to carry forth the message 
to repent. You say to me, Pastor Seidler, that repent word is just a little bit old school. I mean, I'm not going to tell my kids, I'm not going to tell my grandkids, you know, you really ought to repent. It just sounds weird. Okay, well, fine. I'm not going to argue with you. It's just a translation of a Greek word, so you can choose whatever you want to do. Um, in Paul's um, letter to the Roman church, there is a phrase, be no longer conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. So if you don't want to repent, well, at least transform your life. Be transformed by the grace of God at work in you. If you don't like transform, that's fine. Let's just get it simple and say change. Be different. Because that's what essentially is at work in the Gospel of Matthew. It is the calling to the church, to every man, woman, and child who lives in this world, be different. Leave the former way of life that you've been living and follow after God. That's the goal. And for the starting points for our new member gatherings for the past several months, that's the value proposition I've been putting before our new members. If you want to join Shepherd, if you want to become part of our congregational family, that's great. I'm just letting you know that as a pastor, with Pastor Allen, we are invested in you being different. And the beautiful thing is, can I just say this? As my dear friend, the former president of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Jerry Kieschnick would say, and he would say it like this, I've got no dog in that hunt. Because he was from Texas. No dog in the hunt. And what he meant by that is, well, he doesn't have a dog in the hunt. What I mean by that is, I don't have to control how repentance is happening in you. I have my own repentance issues to deal with. You have yours. My family has theirs. Everybody is unique in the sight of God. My responsibility as a pastor is simply to bring to your ears God's call. You must be in a constant state of change. I am not here to dictate to you how that change is to be experienced. That decision, that commitment to change in particular areas of your life, that happens because the spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ that is working in your heart as a baptized child of God, that spirit convicts you of sin. I can't. I can read to you scripture. I can preach to you God's word, but it is the spirit who helps you decide where is mission critical area of your life where you need to change. The only thing that's not optional is whether or not to change for a child of God. At your choosing is where the change will be most effected and realized. That, that, by the way, is the difference between a church and a cult. A cult tells you, you must not only change, but you must change in this specific way right now in order to be acceptable in God's sight. The church of Jesus Christ never does that. Oh, we may, we may in conversation find some areas that we really need to think about, but ultimately, how it is that God moves in a human being's life is completely and totally at the design of God himself. I have no dog in the hunt, 
My only commitment as your shepherd in this congregation is to invite you to follow what our mission statement says. Our mission statement here at Shepherd of the Desert is to lead people to follow Jesus. That means that formerly you were following and going in this direction, and my responsibility as a pastor is to say, hey, here's Jesus over here. How are you turning the ship to get going in that way? That's what repentance, that's what change is really all about. Now, it begs the question, repent of what? Um, and, and this is really now where it gets fun. Because I want to give you options. Um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like um, when you get a, a, a bunch of presents for your birthday and, and they're lined out on the table and you get to choose which present do I want to open first? The little tiny one that weighs a ton or the big one that's as light as a feather? You get to choose. But either way, whatever you choose, there will be a blessing found there because God, by his Holy Spirit, in this, in this setting, in this context, is effecting change in you, and that is always a positive thing. So I want to give you four areas of change to think about. Today we're going to talk about character, which has to do with our morality. This is, this is the Ten Commandments kind of stuff. This is the typical way in which we understand repentance. Whenever we hear that word repent, we always think about the Ten Commandments. What are we doing wrong? That kind of thing. But there are three other ways over the next three weekends that we're going to focus on as well that for this pastor are equally as important because God ties our faith and spirituality to these other areas um, as well. The second area, we're going to talk about this next week, again, fairly boilerplate, fairly predictable. That has to do with your confession, your theology. We're born into this world, and as I was walking through West County Mall on Friday morning with my daughters, that West County Mall was filled with all kinds of theology, all kinds of commitments that that West County Mall wanted me to adopt, values that it wanted me to, um, to accept as true and pure and good. But I have to remember that there is a Bible in which I learn about who God is, and I learn about what he has done. And therefore, if I'm going to repent, if I'm going to change, part of that change has to do with how I view God. When someone comes up to me and they say, well, you know, we all serve the same God, I always like to lean over and, do we? Really? Are you sure? Because I will tell you this, I've been a pastor for 25 years and this statement is absolutely true. There is not a single person in this room that is worshiping the same God as me. I want you to think about that for a second. I'm going to answer that question next week because each of you in this room, well, we, we may agree on certain things about God. He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He offered his Son as a sacrifice for our sins. There are things about God that we agree on, but there's other unique things that we understand about God where we are different and that is not going to last forever. There is coming a day when God will reveal himself to this world, and at that point in time, it will be completely a unified faith. So for me, as a pastor, life is great because all of us in this room, including me, are growing in our confession, our theology, about who God is, and every time God gives us an insight from Scripture, His Word, we grow closer. 
and more fully aware of who that God is. We'll talk more about that next week. I can see some of you squirming. You're dying right now. It's fine. It's fine. Just come back and it's going to be good. Calling. Let's talk about a third area. This is going to come in week three, and that has to do with your duties. Your duties as a husband, wife, father, son, single, whatever it is, uh, employer, employee, citizen, friend, neighbor. Jesus gave two great commands or reminded us of God's two great commands. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Yes, affirmed, affirmed. But the second one is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And our duty to our neighbor, our various callings in this world, they matter to God. When I started out as a father, when you started out as a son, a daughter, you were clearly, and I was clearly not perfect. But over years, I continued to change. You continued to change, and we grew in what it was. We um, lost a little bit of that edge on our temper. Our patience increased. We learned what it meant to forgive our children even when they disappointed us significantly. And all of those things that were going on in our heart while all those actions were taking place on the surface, that was the way God was working repentance in our hearts and helping us in our calling. And then finally, consolation. And that's going to be week four. We'll talk more about this then, but the long and short, we carry forward from our uh, former life scars and hurts And as we bring those scars and hurts forward, we don't want them to draw us or hold us back. We want to look toward the future with a greater sense of health and well-being. We're going to listen to the word from Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort, comfort, ye my people, speak of peace. So says our God. And as we hear those words from the prophet Isaiah, we're going to think about the comfort that God gives to especially our deep-seated hurts and the experiences that have scarred our souls from years and maybe even decades past. See, these are the areas in which repentance takes place. These are the nuts and bolts that we have to be fluid or fluent in speaking. And these are the areas over the course of the next several weeks we're going to learn and study. Today I'll keep it simple for you. There are ten commandments. Read them in Exodus 20. From our commitment to following God and honoring the Lord's day and not taking the Lord's name in vain to our commitment not to murder, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to lie, not to covet, not to covet. Right? These are are the things that God calls us to. And even as I say them, God's spirit may be striking you in your heart and saying, this is an area of your moral compass. This is an area of your character that needs to be taken, taken stock and uh, reviewed. And this is an area that is an opportunity for you to repent and an area for you to change in. You received some uh, cards, and over the course of this month of uh, December, we're going to have some fun. Uh, well, I think fun. We'll see. Um, but little cards, and what I want to do is I want to continue what we began last week with our generosity journey card, which if you have, by the way, you can put that in the offering plate if you brought that with you this week. Um, but this, this particular week, I gave you a, a 3 by 5 index card because I want to learn. I want to continue this learning process for me as a pastor, for Pastor Allen as well, what is or where is a point of moral challenge that you're facing? 
What is a point of moral challenge that you're facing today? What is a particular struggle with one of the Ten Commandments that you have on your soul's radar? That's a question. And uh, I don't need a lot of words or sentences, but I would love for you, um, privately, just to write with no name, no name, anonymously, just write, this is a point of moral challenge that I'm facing right now. And I ask you this because, frankly, I just don't believe that things are the same everywhere. Every congregation is different. Scottsdale is different from St. Louis, from Dundee, Illinois, from Ann Arbor, from Morris, Illinois, where my wife Renee and I were born and raised. And so I just want to ask the question, what is that place of moral challenge for you so that as a pastor, as I look into the future of ministry, as I think about what it means to create a program of ministry here built around this theme of change and repentance, what what is it that you specifically need as a congregation? What are the recurring themes that I see that help Pastor Allen and myself and a new associate pastor coming on board hopefully in early in 2020 as we do our ministry here? Um, because this is not a ministry about me. It's a ministry by which God calls to you. It's a ministry that's hopeful. Because no matter how old you are, no matter how long whatever it is that you're struggling with has haunted you, it's hopeful because we are confident that God is a God of change. The disciples one day had a conversation with Jesus about a young man who was presented with the opportunity to go through a very significant change. The details of the change don't matter, but the disciples' response does and the disciples responded as they heard Jesus put before this man a calling to repent of a very specific area of their life, of his life. The disciples said, Lord, how can this ever happen? How, how does this happen for this guy? He just rode away because he thinks he is a complete failure. And Jesus says these words, with man, nothing is, in, nothing is possible. But with God, everything is possible. That, my friends, is hope. And that's what this congregation has before it. We have nothing but hope on our horizon. And I want you to know it. I want our new members to know it. I want our teachers and discipleship lane leaders to be teaching it and leading it because this is going to be a great ride. And I hope you're in it for the long haul. Because each and every day a disciple of Jesus Christ lives in this world. It's a day to wake up and walk in the light. The newness of life that is found in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. Let's rise. And